Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 342, and today we'll be talking about The Nightmare Begins from Invader Zim. I'm GC13. And I'm David. That's right, everybody. If you're watching this on the day this goes live, today, March 30th, 2021, is the 20th anniversary of the premiere of The Nightmare Begins. Nailed it. Beautiful. What's the first thing I want to say now? Now you make now you're making me feel like this is so momentous that <laughs> it needs to be uh I love watching The Nightmare Begins. I can't even think of how many times I've seen it, but it touches me deeply because the start of Zim always felt mysterious and implausible to me, and The Nightmare Begins is uh, an interesting start for Zim. It has a lot of the things that would be common in Zim episodes, we get yes, introduced yes. to the horrible vision of Earth and the ridiculousness of Zim's mission. And stylistically, it's very on brand as far as, you know, the same palette and awful colors and stained walls of the classroom are going to become familiar places. And yet there's some parts of it that are not going to set up your expectations potentially correctly. A lot of the like horror is absent from this episode. It's it's also not a particularly comedy heavy episode. A lot of the jokes are lighter or like less intense. The most intense thing we have going in this is is Gur who really starts amping up the um silly factor. <laughs> yes, very very fast. But a lot of the episode is silent like there there isn't an accompanying music which is a choice that sometimes is supportive but also just gives this episode a really different tone and also a lot of it's spent in space which we will not be spending a lot of time in for most of invader zim so it definitely sets off zim's journey correctly but it it's not the same as the time we spend on earth which i do like the city chasing we get and we get a little bit of the weirdness of this version of reality with like the ice cream trucks. The, weird yes, capitalism. the ice cream truck. <laughs> you will enjoy. I, I can't even remember. I mean, I, I mean, if, if I can talk about later episodes really quick, the, I think the spitters sums it up perfectly with talking about our nightmarish corporate system being something that they start taking shots at very early. So a lot of, a lot of the base is there and, you know, it also does give you the sense of scope, though, which I think is really important because it's definitely one of the things that brought me in. Even if there isn't this continuous story, there's this gravity of, oh, there there is an alien <laughs> like civilization out there with their big spaceship gang going around and, you know, terrorizing planets and, and, and conquering them. And it's like a real threat to the universe. And Dib is absolutely right that this is a bad thing that Zim is here, but that's the that's the beautiful comedy of Zim set up right here. The ridiculous stupidity with which Dib and, and Zim navigate things. Although Dib isn't really particularly dumb uh, here. He's he's just his ego is definitely flying immediately. And he trusts things that he buys out of magazines. That's never wise. Well, yeah, except it could have worked against Zim, but you know. Yeah, maybe. We never get to find out. No. Now, for me, The Nightmare Begins was always one of those episodes that I would have described it as 
It's nowhere near my top episodes of Invader Zim, but I think it is also the perfect first episode of Invader Zim. I mean, for crying out loud, they didn't even do the theme song because they had so much exposition that they wanted to pack in. It was it was the best way to start the series off, I think. Well, except they do take up the beginning without even, um, like, roughly the same amount of runtime, where we just have Zim have interacting with, scene. like, a digital screen. But it, it helps set the mood so much better than, you know, having the theme song, which also yes. the theme song is going to reveal the house and, you know, things like that. So yeah. this this leaves you in a completely, you really don't know anything yet. Like if a friend just told you, hey, we should watch Invader Zim and said nothing else, you know, the beginning is going to have you thinking, oh man, what's this weird, sinister, alien technology vibe? And it's it's kind of a slow reveal as to <laughs> the the strangeness of, of this alien's culture. And, you know, they're they're immediately shown as being... So there's something wrong and stupid about them that isn't just Zim. Like, the tallest being called the tallest, and you're like, oh, okay, that's the yes. hierarchy. And then being idiots. And they're idiots very immediately. You know, purple getting shot in the eye by lasers because lasers are cool. But uh, red is right. I mean, they do work. Yeah, I mean, if you want to please a crowd, you gotta gotta go with the <laughs> lasers. I mean, and also just as uh, as an aside, Wally Wingert, red's voice actor, awesome dude. So, you know. I've always been on Team Red. <laughs> well, I love Purple because can't think of the voice actor, but also played that cat from Cat Scratch, and that's been burned into my memory forever. Uh, and the alien from Lilo and Stitch? Are those not the same people? Pretty sure. These got to be the same guy. Played by Kevin McDonald, yeah. Yeah, I love them both. I'm glad. I think they both made it back into the movie. Yeah, both of them. Uh, I th- yeah, I think they both got back in. But I I love what they did with Scooge, by the way, (laughs) just, you know, they're making fun of him for how short he is. And then Zim shows up, gutsiest move ever, by the way, crashing the convention like that. But Zim stands right next to Scooge, and you see that he's somehow even shorter than the shortest invader on that platform. (laughs) I love what, it's such a strange, hard to understand reaction of how the tallest deal with zim zim has escaped his banishment from food cordia and yet this you know evil conquesting i is it is it a dictatorship when there's two of them i don't know a duo Um, dictatorship i mean technically it's not a dictatorship because the tallest have no actual power that's true it's all the brains control brains so yeah, it's it's some kind of oligarchy that is presented as a diarchy. But in either case, the, the control brains don't really care either about how the tallest deal with Zim, which is apathy and mild confusion and annoyance. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that they would call for security. I mean, they tossed a guy out an airlock for not remembering what Zim did in Impending Doom 1. You'd think <laughs> they would at least do as much for the man himself. Right, I mean, there's thousands of invaders watching as they're giving Zim a sandwich and just kind of (laughs) talking. It's very weird why they are seemingly so patient with Zim, or at least willing to play out the pranks they do. Which they, you know, they do get to enjoy feeling like, haha, we're sending Zim on a, you know, death mission, and oh, here's your, you know, junk robot. But it's funny. 
Like, I like that they're shown this way. They have this strange relationship with <laughs> Zim in which they will be set up for being annoyed and confused in the future <laughs> instead of being angry. Weren't they classmates? Or whatever it's called? Clutchmates? Didn't they all go through training together? With the tallest? Not that I recall. I never thought of the tallest as Zim's peer. Maybe that was fan fiction. I can't remember. <laughs> don't get don't get your fan fiction mixed up here. With <laughs> there's there's plenty of that. But since we're talking about take your junk robot, I, I just want to say that this is beautiful. That the tallest accidentally by being cheap doomed the empire because if they had just sent Invader Zim out with an ordinary sir. That thing would have murdered him before they even made it to Earth. <laughs> you think it would have recognized Zim as a threat to their, their own mission? I mean, remember Gurgo's crazy and stuff, that it did not take actual duty mode Gur very long at all mm. to recognize Zim as an incompetent commander who needed to be eliminated. That's true, that's true. So, they could have killed Zim right then and there, but they were cheap. And you must never be cheap with Zim or Mortos. <laughs> I did think it was a little odd that they thought Zim was going to die by going to Earth, as if Zim hadn't already proven that he was unbelievably resilient. <laughs> you know, like, you know, he had just escaped their uh, imprisonment or banishment. And so, like, they sent him to an unknown planet that was a post-it note with a question mark. It's not like they knew that the planet was a planet in which it would be easy for Zim to die on. But I like, you know, I like their reaction anyway. But I wish they'd shown a little something more as to why they, you know, instead of the planet being a question mark at the edge of the galaxy, like, I don't know. It's just weird that they thought he was going to be dead, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they were hoping that it's been six months. He must have died by now. But nope, he was just not going at optimal speed, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd think they'd be super far away, but Dib was able to hear them with a satellite. So, you know... At light speed, those signals must have been really close. Yeah, I have a, I have a few questions. Uh, for one, how did Dib know that they were coming to Earth? He, they, he got no indication of where this no. unknown planet was. Maybe, maybe he just means, maybe he just assumed that Operation Impending Tomb Two would include Earth because it was just a mistake that it wasn't included the first time. But then the second question is, what asked, who's coming by gas? He doesn't have an answer, even though they had just finished saying, <laughs> All races of the galaxy will serve the Urkin Empire! And it's like, did, did you not, were you too busy being astonished that we were skipped over in Impending Doom 1, Dib? Because where I come from, that's a good thing. I think he, in a generous interpretation, perhaps that was the sentence he was reacting to, that there was an intergalactic invading force that just declared that they were going to conquer all planets. So he may have been saying that in, in reaction to that instead of specifically Zim's mission to come to Earth. Now that happened to, you know, fulfill what he was fearing. But maybe he was just saying that out of a general fear and he's been listening into the skies for a while. I don't know if he's previously heard alien broadcast specifically from the Urkin Empire, but maybe he's built some vision of it. But I don't recall any other time in the series where he's built up mm, any previous knowledge. I don't of think so. He doesn't even know what the tallest are called. That's right. So I find it hard to believe that he heard much of that transmission. Because they did name drop the tallest a couple... Maybe he didn't hear the announcer. He only heard the tallest themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's basically set up because 
we need some little intro to Membrane and Gaz, who we otherwise wouldn't see at all in this episode. And they really set up what the relationship for those are going to be super fast. Like, it's amazing how precise that little scene is in the Membrane household. Now, you know what I think would have been even funnier? Is if they'd been getting that on, like, the radio or something that Membrane made, and then Membrane just switches the channel, like, right at some point, and mutters something about, you know, oh, you know, these audio dramas are getting crazy or something. It's like, the man builds something that can listen in on galactic-scale communications and... It's like, no, that's definitely not what. That's definitely see, not what I just You need the desperation. You need to see how sad it is that Dib is absolutely right, but he's also super desperate for affirmation from literally anyone, but especially his dad. Oh, I know what we would do. We would have Dib be sitting there horrified that his dad changed the channel, and, you know, Membrane could say something about, Dib, if you've been tampering with my radio settings again. I told you this is only for very important scientific work. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if that fan fiction you were referencing, maybe thinking about earlier, was in fact your own, because it sounds like <laughs> that there is definitely some GC invaders and fanfic out there, but I won't tell anyone uh, except this podcast. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't remember writing any invaders and fan fiction. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Yeah, some of some of the I was just like writing down different things that were like the first this is our first instance of this type of comedy in in this show. I love <laughs> how fast Zim's weirdness in the way he talks is set up. Not just that he's always constantly screaming, but the types of takes that they get from Ricky Simmons is so beautiful. As the house is getting built, you know, Zim we're we're so used to him shouting things and he just I can't I tried writing with just letters <laughs> the way he said there but it was so weird it was so incongruent with the way he was talking like you could tell that it was perhaps even a disjointed separate take but it's beautiful because it's the way that Zim can just have so much energy and just say things with completely different emphasis all the time and so seriously he's so dedicated to his mission and you know, he's he's just nailed the installation of his house, even though, you know, it's there's cars going off, there's all the city is reacting, and it, you know, and yet everything is perfect. I, I, I love his response to everyone opening their door and looking out there is to just grab Gur's leash and like indignantly walk inside and it's like everyone's like, Oh, okay, yeah, you know. Yeah, dragging his dog on his face. They put houses up so fast these days. Technology, isn't it great? Yeah, I love the guy just sitting in his recliner and the horrifying <laughs> alien tentacle monstrosity is, you know, reaching into it, the walls of his house. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is my life. You know, it really yeah. makes you think about just how horrible the world they live in is. Yeah, he doesn't. At no point does he call anybody to complain or maybe he does call and no one answers. I, again, oh, there, there's some alien parasite leeching off of my power. It's like, uh, yeah, that's that's called life, sir. All of us have to deal with that. What do you want me to do about it? Or we could just go with another episode. It's called Life, Dib. Sit down. <laughs> I love that Dib points out the most obvious detail that forever, every person in the show who doesn't immediately recognize him as, a, as an alien ignores, which is that he doesn't have ears. Like, it should be so obvious, but it's not even something... I realized I was a dumb human 
<laughs> What's one of the words? Worm baby. You know, I'm a, I'm a stupid worm baby because I look at their designs and I don't even think about the fact that Zim doesn't have ears until Dip yeah. points it out. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm as dumb as them. I never noticed the gems didn't have ears either. Although maybe yeah. they do. I mean, Amethyst had ears that one time, so. Right. <laughs> she can't hear you. They can all hear, and Zim can hear. I also was like, how does Zim hear? But, eh, you know, his pack probably has a microphone on it. Maybe he just sees the sound waves. He just have very advanced vision, as we'll find out in an impending episode. <laughs> I don't know about with those contacts on. They're very itchy. Yeah, yeah, true, true. The, the children, so, like, the school is such a weird construct because it feels like it's very of the era for Nickelodeon. Like, of course, this show that should otherwise not take place in a school is taking place in a school. They used to be, my theory always was that, like, Nick shows just were forcing people to have things take place in school. But now, at least having read more production material and very recently having read the Zim art book, it it really doesn't seem like it was coming from the direction of the network. It was just something that made it relevant to kids and also really heightened the social isolation of <laughs> the primary characters. So I'll, I'll take it. But the children here are weird because they are kind of dumb, but they're also maybe the most coherent and compassionate we ever see them. Yeah, before they decide that, oh, Zim's weird too. Yeah, eventually they decide Zim's weird too. But here they're defending them him a little bit and, you know, they're even nice to old kids. So they're at least a unit that works together as a somewhat socially nice place, which is strange given the context around them. Hmm. Yeah, compare it to the high schoolers from Glitch Techs. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, how do, how do we, you know, and the difference is phones, kids, social meds. Yeah, those, those smartphones are what'll kill ya. It's worse than the corporate hellscape of Zim. You think you're in control? You're just the tallest. The smartphone is your control brain. True facts. <laughs> I know I know you mentioned the chase through the city before. I'm just gonna say I thought it was very hilarious when Zim knocked Dib into the yard with the dog, and Dib runs very fast, apparently. I mean Zim barely beat him back home. Oh right, he's riding on Gur, which is you know, equipped with rockets, and yet Dib is one second behind them walking, seemingly not having broken a sweat. But I'd believe that Dib would go fast for, uh, you know, revealing the truth. Maybe he pulled out a power ring. I What I love is that the conclusion, <laughs> the conclusion to chasing him is he's like, I've finally got you where I want you, and the yard gnome just zaps his yeah. little handcuffs out of existence. <laughs> Again, could have could have zapped Dib out of existence too, but I guess Membrane just would have made another one. So, where would we be back at square one? <laughs> Dib's just like I've prepared my whole life for this, and now I'm going to go prepare more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was very good. I I'm, I much prefer the time where the gnomes just drag him off of the yard and beat him up. Uh, again, after we see how Membrane responds to losing a son, but... Well, right, you gotta be careful about <laughs> killing Dib in the past, because you never know how that's gonna bite you. But yeah, just dragging him up the yard, and you just hear the sounds of them beating him up, it's, it's great. It's like, <laughs> the watermelons took note from that episode. The watermelon <laughs> Stevens. Yep. Ronaldo did not enjoy the skills that they learned. 
Anyway, guys, that's been us on The Nightmare Begins. We're very happy to get Invader Zim into the rotation, talk about some more episodes in upcoming weeks. Join us next week, though. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Please. <laughs> what? How am I going to mention reviewing the podcast? You like reviews. You love them. Your life is meaningless without leaving reviews on iTunes. <laughs> don't know what to say leave us a review on apple podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts review 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 view view that's my interpretation of gur singing the review song later everybody our opening and closing music is by mark soto for more cartoon related content please visit lunarceasefire.com